Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. But he wasn't interested in gathering crowds. It was in the individual's response of hearts being changed. That's what Jesus is looking for in every one of our lives. Ten individuals here received a work of God's mercy in their lives that day. The fact is, God shows His grace to all men without regard of their nationality or even their eventual response. Do you catch that? Even if they don't respond in a positive way, God's grace is still shown out in so many ways. The gift of grace is offered to all. In today's study, Pastor David will teach that God's grace goes far beyond our salvation. We will explore the story of the 10 lepers. Even though nine of them never came back to thank Jesus, and some of them were not even Jews, Jesus healed them anyway. That's grace. The Bible says that God sends the rain over the just and the unjust. The grace of God is being poured out on us continually, and yes, even the lost. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, A Heart of Faith. and live with the other leopards. Oh no, you can't come to church or come to temple as the case may be. You can't come here. You've got to stay out there. It was so, again, impactful within their lives in every aspect, in every way. According to Leviticus 13 and 14, there was a whole process that an individual had to go through once and if they were ever healed of leprosy. But again, According to the biblical record, the few that were healed, it was because of a a direct miracle of God in their life. We think of Naaman, we think of Miriam, Moses' sister, a few others. And then in the New Testament, there were others that were cured of that disease, but because of a miracle of God in their life. Leprosy became a very, very clear picture of the effects of sin. The effects of sin not only in an individual's life, but the effects of sin actually for a whole nation's life. It's the prophet Isaiah describing that whole spiritual condition of Israel. He speaks with similar symptoms of leprosy. In Isaiah chapter 1, verses 4 and through 6, he says, Alas, you sinful nation, you're a people laden with iniquity. You're a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. He was speaking of Israel, not the United States. Uh, <laughs> although, okay, never mind. We won't get political this morning. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. In verse 5, he declares, Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faints. 
From the sole of the foot even to the head, there's no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They've not been closed or bound up or soothed with any ointment. See, the consequences of leprosy are very much like sin. Or you might say the consequences of sin are very much like leprosy. It's more than just a skin disease. It impacts the very core of the individual's being. It can't be treated with just surface measures. It can't be fixed on the outside. It has to be fixed from the inside. And it defiles, it isolates the person. They're, they're unable to reach not only their full potential, but it breaks fellowship between them and man and God. Jude tells us in verse 23 that even the garments are defiled by the flesh. Well, here in Luke 17, as we're looking, we find these 10 men. Uh, because of this disease, they've been cast away from their communities, cast away from their families and their friends. We have a mixture, apparently, of both Jew and Samaritan here. We don't know if there was more than one Samaritan, but we do know there was at least one Samaritan, and we know that there were others that were Jewish. Very interesting to note how in the midst of their own suffering, the, the isolation from the things of God, these men had formed alliances with those that they would never form an alliance with in the normal course of things. You had Jews and Samaritans coming together. That didn't happen normally. A Samaritan would avoid a Jew, and a Jew would avoid a Samaritan. But because of, again, the devastation that was going on within their lives, they formed this alliance, this coming together. Because of the leprosy, they stood afar off from the rest of society, and yet that very same leprosy drew those 10 together. And the scripture tells us that they stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When these 10 men lifted up their voices, we really don't know the extent of their understanding of who Jesus was. Their declaration really doesn't help us any. The title they use, Jesus, Master, doesn't even help us. It simply reflects the fact that they knew who he was. And that might have been somebody said, oh, this, look, here comes Jesus, the one that's healed so many. Maybe that was the case. Maybe they had no clue who he was. We really don't know according to this story, according to the dialogue that we have. They used a title, and, and yet that title of master, epistates, it, it could have just as easily meant sir or commander or master or lord with a lowercase l. You know, kind of, excuse me, sir, excuse me, mister, mister. That kind of an idea. They, they weren't really saying, you are master, you are lord. No, that's not what they were saying. They were just simply calling him in a manner that would be polite to society at that point in time. Simply a title of respect. There's no doubt that the very presence of Jesus, that he commanded that kind of respect as he was followed by a crowd of, of disciples and other onlookers. It could have been that they just simply recognized him as a teacher or a rabbi. But I don't believe they recognized him as savior at all, according to what we see here. And even their cry, Lord, have, have mercy on us. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. That doesn't help. No doubt they were looking for some kind of a merciful act, but that could have been everything from financial assistance to food to a request for new clothes. Hey, you know, we're, we're not able to work. We're, you know, we're, we don't have much there. Hey, could you help us a little bit? Could you get us some lunch? Uh, 
could you slip us five bucks so we can go get something uh, you know, to eat? Or, you know, hey, our clothes are worn out. Could we, we need some new clothes here. We really don't know what they're asking for other than mercy. Similar kind of a situation that we see even today. People continually, they flow through the doors here of the church throughout the week. People who very seldom darken the doors of the church for worship or for encouragement in the things of the Lord. No, they come in because there's a major need within their life. And they understand that churches are called to do acts of mercy and charitable assistance in some way. They're not looking for a move of God in their life. They simply want their current discomfort taken care of. As we see in this very same event, Jesus knows there's a greater need within their lives. And yet he's willing to meet them where they are, at least for the moment. What does the word say? He directs them at that point in time, go and show yourself to the priests. It's interesting that he didn't heal them right then. He could have just spoken right then and say, be healed. And the whole situation would be done. No, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Perhaps some went to find a Jewish priest. Others were going off in the other direction to find a Samaritan priest because a Samaritan's not gonna go to a Jewish priest and a Jew's not gonna go to a Samaritan priest. So perhaps they went different ways at that point in time. Luke very plainly tells us that, again, that so as they went, they were cleansed. When they moved in obedience to the Lord's directive, they received the fullness of the Lord's blessing. They received their healing. They were all healed of that devastating disease of leprosy. And you would have thought at that point in time, all 10 of them, they would have recognized their situation. Wow, I'm healed. And run back to this man, whoever he was, and say, oh, thank you so much. Something supernatural had taken place in their life. At one point in time, they're castaways, and now they're welcomed and they're received. At one point in time, they were literally dead to society, and now they were alive again. They were able to walk among family and friends and their community. You would have thought they would have all had a gratitude of heart. But once again, Luke's very clear as he gives us the results. In verse 15, he tells us that one of them when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. And oh, by the way, he was a Samaritan. Only one came back to give glory to God, while all the others, they still received, you need to understand this, all of them received the blessings of God, but only one came back. And as far as we know, these other nine never did give God the glory that was due his name. I'd love to say that that's a strange, it's an odd or rare occurrence, but the fact is just the opposite's true. The average of returns that we see of those that, that we minister to, that come through the doors, that have physical needs that we minister to, even here where it looks like, okay, only 10% came back, I think in the real world is probably even less than that. All too often, we see the individual come back again, but not because they wanna worship the Lord. They come back because they found out, this is where I can get some help. They come back for more assistance. 
Rather than recognizing the fact that it's the work and it's the hand and it's the mercy of God that's allowed them to be able to get through that situation in their life, all too often they continue on their way without any change and definitely without the giving of thanks for his mercy and for his provision. Pastor Robert is the one that deals with most of these as they come through our door. He'll speak to them at length. He'll find out about their spiritual condition. He'll share the word of God with him. He'll pray with him. He'll encourage them in the spirit and all the time they're just waiting, just waiting. Not all of them. I don't want to be so negative, but the fact is so many is happens just like it happens here in Luke chapter 17. Most of them simply take what they can get at the point in time and they don't come back. Most people only have time for God when there's a major need in their lives. In the midst of conflict or terror, the cry comes out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Many times without even a full surrender of their life into his hands, and yet, you know what? For some reason, God still takes care of them. God still gives them mercy. Even without them recognizing who he is, without them surrendering to who he is. This man here, here in Luke, Jesus saw a difference, even though he was a Samaritan. It's in the fact that what we see here in this man that we were reminded that God's not a respecter of persons. He's willing to save to the uttermost those that would call upon his name. As this man with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks Jesus recognized that this man's heart was changed. The man's gratitude for the recognition of the work of God in his life, it was overwhelmingly apparent. And then in verse 17, Jesus answered and said, wait a minute, weren't there 10 that were cleansed? Where's the other nine? Were there not found any who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? This man's life was changed. It wasn't just simply healed. His life was changed from the inside out. Not an ointment that made his skin feel better, but a change of heart that brought an eternal release for him. And this man, he wasn't even a Jew. Jesus recognized him and he could have declared again, just like Paul declares for us in, in Romans chapter nine. You know, it was the Jews that to them pertained the adoption, to the Jews, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God and the promises. This man didn't have the advantage of all of that. He was a Samaritan. Not only was he a Samaritan, he was a Samaritan with leprosy. That's like a double negative, okay? It's like, whoa, not only are you a Samaritan, but you got leprosy? Really and truly, now you're out of my life. He was twice rejected by man, and yet he received by God. That's the awesome thing. I don't care where you are in life or where anyone is in life. Man can reject them, man can have prejudice, and man can have all kinds of formulations in their head and in their mind against people or a group of people, but you know what? God accepts all. Faith was awakened in this man, and there was a heart change within him. Again, what faith does. 
Jesus said to him there in verse 19, he says, arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus never looked for the crowds of people, the ones who were coming simply to be touched for healing. He wasn't trying to get uh, the, the accolades of man. As a matter of fact, Jesus would often escape the crowds. A multitude of people would be around, and we read in the Word. And so Jesus took off, and he snuck off. He got up early. He went out and prayed with the Father. Now, he wasn't looking for the crowds. He was looking for people with hearts that were changed. He wanted to see people who had a heart that was set on the Father, not just simply on the miracles. But the heart of the Father was shown through these works of miracles, these acts of mercy. But Jesus wasn't impressed by the great crowds of people. He knew that most of the people came only because they wanted the, the free lunch program or the, uh, the health care program. You know? Hey, go to Jesus. You get it all taken care of. He could have had a crowd anytime. He could have just started doing miracles and healings and these deliverance services and multitudes of people could come. He would have had a mega church in his day. But he wasn't interested in gathering crowds. It was in the individual's response of hearts being changed. That's what Jesus is looking for in every one of our lives. Ten individuals here received a work of God's mercy in their lives that day. The fact is, God shows his grace to all men without regard of their nationality or even their eventual response. Do you catch that? Even if they don't respond in a positive way, God's grace is still shown out in so many ways. That's an amazing thing about God. He grants mercy and grace to everyone. Otherwise, all of us would be toast, wouldn't we? That's the reality of it. But yet, God in his mercy, in his grace. Jesus himself said that God causes his son to rise on the evil as well as the good. He sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. The gift of grace is offered to all. Timothy Keller, pastor, speaking about what's called common grace, gives us these words. He said, God gives good gifts of wisdom, talent, beauty, and skill graciously. That is, in completely unmerited ways. He casts them across the human race like seed in order to enrich and brighten and preserve the world. Far from being unfair, God's unmerited acts of blessings make life on earth much more bearable than it should be given the pervasive effects of sin on all of creation. He goes on to say that common grace is therefore given. It's uh, therefore a thread that, that binds us together in our common humanity, as well as a powerful tool in evangelism. If the glory of God is indeed in all the earth, as scripture testifies, the mission of the people of God is to name the glory and to name the unknown yet known God, as Paul did in Acts chapter 17. Our call is to speak of the glory that's come down in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The common grace of God that's given to all. It becomes for you and I actually an opportunity of evangelism. Wow, you got that pay raise. God is so good to you, isn't he? Well, I don't know about God. I just got the pay raise. But you know what? I believe 
But it's God that works all good things within our lives. I believe according to God's word that why don't you just give God thanks for that? You might be amazed what God wants to do beyond that in your life. You see the common graces, the beauty of our Arizona sunsets. Oh, doesn't God paint just a beautiful picture for us? We ever taken the opportunity to share that with someone in that way rather than, wow, that's a beautiful sunset? You see, the lost don't understand. It's the graces of God that are poured out on us continually. And yes, even on the lost. And I think that we ought to take that opportunity to bring glory to God and also to direct them to bring glory to God. Because when their mind starts thinking about the grace of God, it opens a door for them to be able to hear the message and the gospel of God within their lives. The goodness of God is what brings us to repentance is what the word declares to us. So why don't you and I become those that point out those things that God is working and moving. It's so easy for us to point out the evil stuff, isn't it? It's so easy for you and I, okay, at least for me, to get into the negative. But you know what? The Spirit of God keeps checking me. He says, man, don't zero in on the negative. Everybody sees the negative. People need to see the positive. They need to see the graces of God. You and I are called, called to evangelism in that way. Even though God reveals himself to all men, as Paul tells us back in Romans chapter one, he says, very few glorify him as God or are thankful. They become futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts are darkened. And yet you and I have the opportunity to be able to point out the glory of God. Even though his grace is revealed, his offer goes out to all. It's only the whosoevers that come that will receive that offer of salvation. You see, God's grace, even though it's extended to all, it doesn't mean that all are gonna gain salvation. God blesses humanity in a general way, but only the responsive ones who appreciate what he's done in Christ receive that full blessing and the acceptance into his kingdom. Among those 10 lepers, only the Samaritan heard those comforting words. The one that was rejected, not only because he had leprosy, but even as a Samaritan, cut off from the major populace of the time, cut off of the, the, the religion of God at that point in time because he was a Samaritan. He was the one who heard those comforting words. Your faith has made you well. And then you know what? His gratitude of heart, that's what revealed the truth of his faith. Gratitude of heart revealing his faith. If our gratitude for God is what revealed our true faith, how strong would our true faith be? Are, are we a people of gratitude and thanksgiving? We ought to be. We need to be. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is worthy of our praise. We ought to be people with continual gratitude, continual thanksgiving in our lives. Jesus commends this one man for his response and he assures him that he's gonna be rewarded for that response. So what's your response to God's grace? 
What is your own personal response to the mercy of God that He's shown you? Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that The Open Word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's Word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word.